You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to this episode of 21 Questions. I'm BJ Kissel, hanging out with my pal and former NFL defensive lineman. Spent some time with the Kansas City Chiefs playing for Andy Reid. One, Mike DeVito, also one of the best dudes I've ever covered or been around. Mike, it's always a pleasure, man. Enjoy chatting with you and uh, enjoy getting to get to some of these questions that got submitted by our subscribers and uh, the people on our Discord that have subscribed to our paid newsletter. BJ, I love you, brother. Thanks for including me again. I'm always grateful to be here, and I'm excited to get into it, bro. Yeah, well, let's just get right into this. Let's just cut to the chase and get into it. And we've got a lot of questions that have been, like I said, submitted through our Discord. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, you wonder what it is. So we have our paid Substack newsletter. It's $30 a year. Get a newsletter just about every day. Uh, It's got film studies, got breakdowns, got uh, analytic stuff from our guy, Joseph Hefner. Really cool. But another perk of being a part of that, you know, being a subscriber to our daily Substack is getting access to our Discord. Um, There are literally hundreds of people in a giant chat room talking all the time. It's like a troll-free environment for Chiefs fans uh, to interact with others. And part of that is submitting these questions. Answer uh, dropped in there yesterday that you and I would be chatting and got some questions, but before we get to those questions, Mike, I do have a question for you. And I know I'm kind okay, of saying- I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. But I, no, do say, I do want to say one thing about KCSN that I think doesn't get said a lot. And if you talk to all the players that have been on the show, right? Sherm, Jeff, um, DJ, myself, Dustin, to a man, we are all amazed at the quality of content that you guys put out. Like when I read your- uh, newsletters, when I read the game breakdowns, when I watch the films, um, you know, the, as a former player, you would think I would have it down right after 18, 20 years of playing the game. And I learned so much from the stuff that you guys do. So I think it's worth noting before we get started that this isn't just your normal beat writer putting putting words to paper. I mean, the stuff you guys put out is high level football. And so uh, and that's why it's easy for us to be a part of this, because it's just it's incredible the uh how well you guys know the game so i thought i'd put that in there quick before we get into it no i appreciate that and we've got i mean over 50 contractors that that work with us a lot of those are on the chief side but uh we try to do something a little different a little something for everybody and Hmm. try to have fun conversations over things that we have no control and don't 100 know that we know but we love talking about it and we're not perfect we don't know everything uh, but I can speak for the guys we started with, K- Craig, Matt, Kent, guys who do a lot of the content, a lot of the X's and O's, especially when we got this thing rolling. Uh, they've done a phenomenal job putting the stuff in there. And Damn comments good. like that from from yourselves mean everything. Uh, Damn good job, brother. Doing this. But Mike, I want to ask you this question. I'm, I'm kind of sick of talking about it, to be honest, but uh, I want to get your perspective as a former player on the Chris Jones situation and not necessarily the contract stuff because it's business. And I, I've been around you guys enough and we've had conversations over years enough to know you guys don't get involved in each other's business that way because you don't want to be a distraction and even if you're not there if you're a teammate and you're getting asked about it every time there's media availability it it does kind of become a distraction because you don't want to be even though it's not your business and that's your kind of your take you're still getting asked a lot and you know that if you say the wrong thing or if it comes out the wrong way all of a sudden somebody's got a sound bite and it's a thing and then it's even worse for the locker room right i just don't want to deal with this i don't want to talk about it it's not my business no doubt but at the game on Thursday, Chris being there. That was the one thing throughout this situation. If you've listened to me, I'm pretty much on the fence about a lot of things because I see everybody's point of view and I don't have a lot of hot takes on this stuff. That was the first time where I was like, that's not great. Like mm-hmm. that that look and then the, the presser the day before at the Ronald McDonald House saying, I'm just asking for a raise. Reportedly, they're offering you a raise and you haven't yeah. signed that. So like showing up and being there and having this, I'm here to support my teammates, but wasn't around his teammates, was just kind of there and then being shown on TV as a player, you're on the, you're, you've got a teammate going through a contract negotiation situation like that and sitting out the first game. And then you see after the game, I don't think he's down a locker room. I don't know how many of the guys knew there unless they talked to him, but like, what, what would be your perspective as a player knowing that one of your guys that you want to be in a locker room with you is there, but not really with you? Yeah. So like, a number of things that have happened with the Chiefs since I've retired. This is a first for me. I've I've, I've never 
seen something like this play out before. Obviously, like you said, contract situations happen all the time, and you definitely stay out of other guys' business and let it let it play out. You know, when I first saw this, I, you know, I see what everybody else is saying, and it, I understand how it seems awkward and weird, and and uh, but I guess I I took it more of a sign of optimism that even though you know we this contract hasn't gotten done, I'm I'm here and I'm going to root on this team, um, and so. I I don't know if it was so much to support his guys. Obviously, he's doing that. I think there's an element of that. But I guess trying to put myself in Chris Jones' seat, I think the idea was maybe, and this is what I took from it, was just to show a sign of I'm a chief. Like, we're going to get this worked out, and I'm going to be here. And that that's why I'm at the game today. Because, you know, why, if if things were really hot behind the scenes and weren't making progress, he isn't going to be sitting at that game. Fair. You, know, yeah. you know what I mean? So I that's how I took it is just as again as more of a sign of of uh, yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm going to be here. It's just taking a little bit longer than we expected. And this is and again, not to get into the contract stuff too much cuz I know we've been through it over and over again. But the stuff of Kansas City is so unique. You have guys a lot of guys who are the best players in the league, Hall of Fame players taking less money to all be there to win Super Bowls. And so I it's just hard because Chris deserves to be the highest paid guy. He's the best in yeah. the league. And at the same time, there's this weird element of, well, hey, all these other guys deserve to be the highest paid at their spots and they're not. So we can yeah. be together and win championships. And I just don't, you know, from him's perspective and the agents and everything, I just don't know how I don't even know how you play that game. So at first, when I was evaluating the situation, I thought, okay, normal contract situation, this gets resolved probably towards the end of training camp. You know, yeah. usually when things are on the line, that's when things get resolved. I think that when you're Kansas City, you just can't pay every player the number one. You can't make them the number one. There's just no way yeah. to do it with the cap stuff. And so this is a weird situation. This is a unique situation. It's a good situation for Kansas City to be in, that this is the culture and the family atmosphere that they've set. Um, but I think now the more I reflect on it, I can see why it continues to get pushed on. It's just, again, um, what do you do? What do you do? Chris loves that place. He wants to be here again. I think that's why he shows up on Sunday. There's a show like, I want to be here. This is my team. We're going to get this done. Um, but it's just hard when you have a guy who clear cut deserves to be number one and you just can't write that check. And you have another guy who deserves to be number one in Travis Kelsey or, Mahomes might be number one, but even number one for Mahomes is still not enough. He took yeah. less than he. So I don't know, BJ. It's a hard I, situation. I said I, a few days before the game that what I wasn't looking forward to was the overreact, overreaction on either side of what happens in that game and how people take that. And I know the defense ended up playing pretty well. Um, they gave up 14 points to what is a pretty good Lions team that's got a running back in Gibbs that is going to get better. Um, I'm actually happier we played them earlier in the year because I do I am a believer in the Detroit Lions I said that before that game that that's a playoff team that is not a bad loss even though the Chiefs offensively were sloppy it was not there and it wasn't just the drops and there's a lot made about Kadarius Tony and I know there's some questions from our subscribers that we're going to get to here in a minute about that but there was some sloppiness on the offensive side that had nothing to do with the drops that had to do with some of the routes and I'm not going to pretend to know what they're supposed to do, but I can watch it and tell you that's not what it's supposed to look like. Guys running into each other, some of those rub routes, just the spacing, the timing, uh, getting mixed up which route you were supposed to run compared to the guy next to you. There were just there was some stuff there that you don't normally see from Chiefs offense. So you knew they weren't clicking. Expect that stuff to get better with some young receivers. That will kind of take us in this first question. Uh, again, these are from our Discord. Uh, if you were a paid subscriber to the KCS and Substacks from Grace and Jaspers, asking, do the Chiefs need to pump the brakes on Rasheed Rice? Um, little strange questions because of all the receivers and all the different things that you could talk about from that game. Rasheed Rice is not one of the ones that uh, I would have had an issue with. But that being said, I'm going to give grace to all of these young players. I, I had made the point with uh, Haley Lewis on our 10 Things show after the game uh, that I had said all offseason that I want, I was on the we need DeAndre Hopkins bandwagon because you need a veteran receiver. It is not as easy just to take talent and just to plug them in and count on them to be better than they've ever been. And there's a lot of different ways to frame it, but you've got seven receivers and you're really happy with the young talent you have. 
But in order for you to achieve your goals as a team, going and winning a Super Bowl and being this explosive offense, you're asking all seven of those guys to be better than they've ever been in their career in order for that room to do what it needs to do for you to get there. And I just think that's a huge ask. It's one thing if you ask two or three or half the guys to do that and the rest of them just be what you've been. They're asking all of those guys to take a step up to be in that position. And Rasheed Rice is one of those guys that's hopefully by the middle of the year isn't really playing like a rookie because he's going to get some playing time. Uh, but the second question that kind of goes in with this, Mike, I'll let you get to this one. Just what kind of movement do you see at the wide receiver position? Do you see them mixing anything up from a snap count? So much has to do with game planning and how they're going to attack certain defenses. But do you see, and you've been in those rooms with Andy Reid, them making changes from week to week just based on one performance from some young guys in a week one game? Yeah, not at all. And I think you, you hit on, t- there are two key things going into this game. First off, when did we lose Kels? Was it on Tuesday? Wednesday? It was like the the Friday practice. It was like the last walkthrough. So okay. It was Tuesday. Yeah. So that that changes everything within 24 hours of the game, right? Like now you now what was going to be the centerpiece of the passing game is not in there anymore. Yeah, your That's first it. down prep for the game was two days before he got injured. He was a part of all of those game plans. And all of a sudden he's taken out after three days of practicing situations, all those things. And that changes everybody, right? Because he's your number one target. Now everybody shifts. So all these young wide receivers who are, you know, nailing down the game plan at the last minute have to change because the game plan is going to change because you don't have Kels. It has to. The passing game has to change. Um, And not only that, but I think people don't realize the mental part of that. When you're going into the first game of the season, that he's been building up for a year now and you're fired up, you're ready to go. You have the Chris Jones situation. That's kind of looming, but you're able to put that aside. And then right before things get going, Kels, your best guy gets hurt. Um, That I, you know, I put myself in that locker room as a former player and I know that would have hurt. I would have been like, you know, I mean, it just there's, so there's a moment, there's a, momentum sort of negative momentum right before you know even before you get on the field things are kind of going in the wrong direction emotionally just because you lost your best guy in on the offensive side one of your best guys obviously Mahomes but um so that so you get a fact of that and then the other thing is again so so Kels is not there the whole the game plan has to change the receivers have to adjust you have all these young guys and Jeff and I have been talking about this with the new rules there is not a lot of time to get these guys ready um, there's just not, and, and you always, even, even when I was playing, when you had two a days and all the stuff, offenses usually start slow, even with a guy like Mahomes, it's just because you said it, BJ, it's all timing. It's all route running. It's like a, a fine tuned machine. When you, when you have, um, an offense that has, it's bringing back all of the same guys, things happen a lot quicker. You have all these younger guys that are new guys to the system. It takes time. It just takes time. Even with the Mahomes and with that great offensive line, it's going to take time to get these things together uh, and get that sort of fine tuning. So I'm not. I guess I'm just. I, I'd be. I think the wrong thing to do was to, would be to flinch because of the first game, given yeah. everything we just talked about, and start moving stuff around. I think you do. You throw to Tony. You you keep the same things going. You keep the same guys going because. Again, I think the problem is just repetition. It's not lack of talent. It's not because anybody's, you know, anybody can't play. If this game has happened week 10, now we have to start saying, okay, something sure. doesn't work. Week one, I think there's, there's absolutely no reason to flinch. I, I highly doubt Andy Reid's going to change anything. I think when uh, Kels comes back, you get the normal game plan back. Some yeah. of that pressure is off some of those younger receivers. Um, and you have another week of getting the timing together. So, And it's not a week of... You know, when the game's on Thursday, and make sure I do this in my head, you have your practices, like your normal Wednesday practice was on Sunday, and your normal Thursday was on Monday, your normal Friday was on Tuesday, and then Wednesday is Saturday, walk through, stay at the hotel, and then game on Thursday. Right. And like your normal week. Well, a normal week on Sunday, and you'd know better than me, I'm going to butcher I used to know this stuff. But like on Sundays, you do like first down, second and long, and some of those situations. And then the next day, it's like the blitz pick up. And I think the last day, it's like your third down, uh, red zone kind of specialty things. Exactly. Kelsey gets hurt on Tuesday, which is the equivalent of your Friday when you've already gone through three days of practices. You 
put all of your game plan. Here are the plays that we're running. Here are the the package of plays that we love against this defense on first down and third down and blitz and red zone. And then he's hurt all of a sudden. Noah Gray is getting thrust into not repping any of the stuff that he was being asked to do. Exactly. Anyway, that, no, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. I'm just going to look real quick here. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that you can say. So I'm looking at the rushing yard, uh, rushing attempts here, and it looks like they had. Oh, you have about 20. I mean, one thing you could say is in a situation like that. And listen, Andy Reid knows more than I do. But maybe one thing you do with those young receivers is you just lean on that offensive line in the running back, right? Run the football more, take some stuff off of them. And, you know, so if I see, I guess if I see Andy Reid making a change moving forward is slow things down a little bit, yeah. right? Get some play action in there, run the football, um, you know, keep the ball on your side and then get, everybody sort of calms down. But you're right. I mean, again, you lose Travis that that close to the game and that's that's just – you know, like I said, emotionally and game plan wise, it's just a bomb right away. It's hard. Sure. The last time I remember um, players around week one getting injured was 2014, Mike. I remember the week one game in 2014 oh. where we lost two defensive starters to Achilles oh. injuries. And I was sitting in the press, go- press box for the first game I ever did. And for some reason, I was like, I'm going to get fired because <laughs> these guys, our entire defense is getting hurt right now. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, is when Derek Johnson and the co host of this show, Mike DeVito went down with Achilles injuries probably within like 10 minutes of each other. I believe both in the first half of that game against the Titans in week one. He got hurt right before halftime. I went in. I remember feeling like I would have felt if Kels went down. Like, I can't believe we just lost our Hall of Fame linebacker. And I remember saying to myself, I can't imagine what that feels like to be a week one and and be done for the season. 10 minutes later. 10 minutes later. Oh, oh yeah. Now I do know what it feels like. They just... God didn't want DJ to go through all that rehab by himself. Oh, and I'm glad he chose me to go with him. We've talked about that before. Um, All right, we are going to get to the Kadarius time. We're going to take a quick break. We've spent a lot of time on the first two questions. We're going to get and kind of go through these a lot quicker after this, get to Kadarius Tony right after this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, you can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at pxg.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back to 21 Questions. I'm BJ Kissel hanging out with Mike DeVito answering Chiefs Kingdom's questions. This one is from Gowsley um, on our Substack uh, Discord channel. Said last week it was discussed that Tony is in a great situation because there is zero pressure on him. How much has that pressure changed after game one? Uh, I wouldn't say there's not, I'll set this up a little bit. I wouldn't say there's not any pressure on him. And some of that he honestly had, had done himself with some of the stuff on social media during the offseason, uh, mainly with New York Giants fans kind of going after them. Um, but, you know, how much pressure these players, I don't think anyone's going to put more pressure on the outside these players then they're they're going to put on themselves that they're wired that way that's why they're in this position is that they've always been kind of put at that pedestal and they've always been the best players and they've always had that kind of pressure um but for tony specifically and i mentioned this after the game because i immediately i'm very pragmatic something bad happens it's not dwell on that it's the next thing Mm -hmm. Uh, i blame it on being a pitcher you know it's the next pitch it's always you don't dwell on the last thing you always keep looking forward I will say we will learn a lot about Kadarius Tony and the way that he responds to a game like this. Exactly. BJ, that's the key. I mean, this is a we saw this isn't a, a talent thing as far as running routes, getting open, things like that. This is a mental thing, right? This is like a golfer or a pitcher who gets into a slump. And so you're right. You're go- we're gonna see the type of character and the resolve that he has because this is as hard as it gets, yeah. right? Because now there is, the pressure is on, right? The microscope's on you. I mean, those were wide open catches. I think Pro Football Focus had him graded as like the worst wide receiver ever in yeah. the history of, you know, wide receiver performance ever. And so when you would have done better just to knock down any pass that was thrown to you, exactly. Poor, it's a poor game. Yeah, it's tough. It was, it was really tough. And I feel bad for him because I've seen so many guys have, you know, bad games like that. I've had bad games. You know, I've been lucky lucky to play a position where I make a ton of mistakes and people don't notice because it's you know in 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 the <laughs> line. But um, yeah, those are, that's really tough, and it's it's going to be a mental, it's going to be an uphill mental battle for him. I think the one thing that Andy Reid can do, and he obviously knows this. I'm not trying to be Andy Reid, but I think the best thing to do is you you keep throwing to him, right? Yeah. I mean, he don't absolutely because you're going to need him. You're going to need him all season. And so I don't slow down throwing to him. I think you keep throwing to him until he gets it figured out. Uh, one of the things I love about coach is that you know they're going to get the ball back in his hands. That player, he doesn't want to sit there and and build up the the two or three touches if they try to take the ball out of his hands. You know how much pressure he's going to have if he knows he's only going to get a couple of shots to perform. Right. And and I what I hate about this is the what have you done for me lately on the fans. And, and we're going to be very clear that it's not all fans. All fans are frustrated after the game with him, but losing sight it's kind of like the Chris Jones don't lose sight of how good I don't care how good the how well the Chiefs defense played without him right. they need him to go win a Super Bowl you need Chris Jones you want this to get figured out right. eventually it's going to smooth over Chris shows up he's a model citizen he goes out there making plays everybody's going to cheer him again Kadarius Tony goes and makes I always said you're always put this out on Twitter a couple days ago like you're all, every player has a bad game is only one good play or one good game mm-hmm. in a big moment or at a big time away from redemption like everybody's gonna forgive me, comes out there and plays well. I hate that two games ago, Kadarius Tony had the best punt return in Super Bowl history, and yet now everybody hates him because of a week one awful performance, just awful performance. Yeah. But the Chiefs are gonna need Kadarius Tony. He is going to redeem himself, and we will all be cheering sooner rather than later. I would guess. Right. Kadarius Tony making plays for the Chiefs again. That's just it. You'd see how locker rooms are set up. How. Teams are set up, and you know Patrick Mahomes, you know Travis Kelsey, all those guys are going and talking to Kadarius Tony because they know the same thing that we know, and that they're going to need him to go make plays and fully expect him to get the ball back in his hands soon. Exactly, and you know what the the key, one of the a, a, a massive benefit we have is having a veteran coach that knows exactly what you're saying, right? So like you have some of these younger coaches that would flinch. Andy Reid's not flinching. It's it's going to be the same game plan. I've seen him do it time and time again. They're going to go back to Tony, and you're right that he's going to pay off big down the line for us, um, you know. But there is going to be this mental battle now about getting back, and I, I think he has the right people around him, you know, that family atmosphere, and Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, all the guys. He's going to he's going to be fine. Yeah, uh, let's move on. We are going to speed this up. I promise. Okay, you, sorry, that's my fault. Thing. No, it's it's all on me. Um, next question is from Arrow saying, 
Did Matt Dickerson blackmail Andy Reid for playing time? Uh, got called up from the practice squad, played, I think it was 41 snaps. I think it was just shy of 60% of the snaps uh, in the game coming up from the practice squad, obviously without Chris Jones and without uh, Charles Amenehu. Two guys in the middle of that defense. You saw a lot of new faces. Malik Herring was getting a ton of snaps um, early in this game for the Chiefs. I mentioned that a couple of times. Like, was there ever a time, and I don't think he blackmailed Andy it's the question very obviously after that my observer is a situation where you are a practice squad or you weren't playing a whole lot and all of a sudden right before the game or kind of unexpectedly you're thrust into playing a lot more than you expected no there wasn't I, I actually was very fortunate I was never on a practice squad and um I always you know I always my role was always I knew what it was going in the game that's that's really hard and it's also telling like I wonder if that was a strategic thing where you, like he knew all along that he was going to be coming up to play and they just waited the last minute to do it. Yeah. Or, true. or if it was just like, Oh no, we, you know, we're, we're light. We need him. Um, if it's the latter, that's very hard. Uh, yeah. cause those practice squad guys, they're running scout team reps. They're not, they're not taking any sort of ones or twos. Like he, he wouldn't have practiced the defense at all this past week. Um, yeah. uh, if that was the case. And it looks like he did a good job. Um, and, but, you know, so going back to the other point, though, talking about the offense, we talk about how you have a slow start. It's a lot easier to start fast on defense because defense yeah. rewards physical, tough, fast play. And that's just Chiefs football. And so the key with defense is continuing to fine-tune and hone things so you don't let there be any sort of kinks in the armor. Um uh, as you go, but it's a lot easier to start fast on defense, and I think we we saw that. The defense played well with a lot of young guys, new guys. Yeah. All right, next question. This is from sorry, uh, Zach Zimmerax, um, asking, "What will it take for Justin Rots to get actual snaps in this offense?" And that this is an interesting one. People are going to think the way that they do. Uh, I need we. I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, paraphrase. I'm going to set this up by saying, I think we can all agree that Andy Reid. First battle Hall of Famer, one of the greatest offensive coaches to ever coach on the sideline of an NFL football game. Right. He knows better than anybody else, regardless of how many highlights we've seen, how physically talented Justin Ross is. Six foot four, 210 pounds. He's got some twitch to him. We've seen the highlights. We've seen him win the one on ones. We've seen all the plays at training camp. We saw what he did in college. Mm-hmm. We got hurt. All of those things are true. For him to go out in a week one game with a bunch of other young receivers, and get six snaps. I'm not going to pretend to know, but I feel like I know well enough of being around and have watched that if Justin Ross was mentally prepared to be able to go and play 50 snaps and be where he's supposed to be all of the time in every concept that they play or every play that they put out there and that Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Matt Nagy could trust him to be in the right spot, that he would be out there more than he is. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. No, that's it. That's it. It's not a physical thing. It is a, he might not know the offense. And that doesn't mean that he might not in six weeks. Right. It just means if he's not out there, there's a good reason for it. They're not just holding him back and saving him. Like when he's ready, he will play more. And this is why we had talked about at the top of the show. I wanted a veteran receiver in this offense because we wanted a guy who's proven at this level to be able to go and make plays. You're asking all of these guys. You're asking Justin Ross to to do more than he's done. You're asking Sky Moore to do more than he's done. You're asking Kadarius Tony to do more than he's done so far. Right. Marquez Valdez Scantling has shown to be a guy. Can he take a step up and be that number one target, depending upon who you're going against? And Richie James. Right. All of these guys are being asked to do more than they've done before. Justin Ross will get more snaps when he's ready. It doesn't mean he's a bust. Doesn't mean that's wrong. Doesn't mean we should slow down the optimism of what he could be. Mm-mm. But he's not there yet. And he hasn't proven that he can get there yet. And this whole thing takes time. And I just, I don't like when we try to rush this stuff because of some highlight plays that we all love watching. Well, and that's, and you're, and you're exactly right. And the highlight plays look great, but the, the offense is complicated. Andy Reid's offense is complicated. And just because you can do it in a one-on-one in training camp or some base play that they call in the team period uh, or in a, in a preseason or game. Or package, like yeah. backside run like a, Beautiful whip route or whatever he did in training camp, where it's like, oh, we need more of those. He's isolated and it's like, run this route one on one. You're going to win, but you can't do that 50 times in a game. You have to know everything else that's going on. And that's a lot. Exactly. And the play calling, the, the, what, you know, what the package is for the week gets amplified by a thousand. And so 
You're exactly right. They, when they trust him, they will play him. And I guarantee you, whatever whatever his abilities and assets and what Andy Reid says, oh yeah, this is how we can use this guy to take advantage of defenses, he will do that. He's done it time and time again. And Ross is a good player. And he has, you know, he shows it's the talent thing. It, yeah. You worry when it's not a talent thing. You know what I mean? I mean, you yeah. worry when it is a talent thing. When you when yeah, they can't when they can't get it done, then you worry. But he can get it done. You just got to learn it. It takes yep. time. All right, another question from Zach Zimmerax, a good one. Uh, was this game a good thing for the Chiefs long-term to ensure that Brett Veach continues to invest in receivers and survive the post-Kelsey world? I'm not going to put it past Brett Veach for not knowing what they have, and, but with the young guys, you don't know what you have till they go out and show it. Uh, right. I'm not going to back down and say that I wouldn't have wanted DeAndre Hopkins. I was getting annoyed, and it was a small faction, but people saying we don't need a veteran because we have all this talent, these, right. this young talent. It's like, going to take a while for those guys to get up to speed how many of games like we saw this past week again it's not just the drops it's the guys running into each other nate tice works for the athletic put a lot of this uh, a lot of clips out showing a lot of the bunch formations and the chiefs receivers and blake bell and sky Moore and like everybody had a couple of plays where guys were just running into each other like they were not the spacing was off the timing was off they're just running wrong routes whatever it was that's the stuff that you know andy it's going to drive him crazy those are the things that have to absolutely get cleaned up. So I don't think as much of that is on Brett Veach and company. And I trust that they're going to make sure that Mahomes has weapons, but it may be a situation where they, the optimistic side and then the pessimistic side, you're hoping that it ends up better early on and they can get there faster, but you realize it's going to take a little bit. Yeah. I think all of that is right. And I think what's interesting when I was, I was thinking when you were talking to like, if you think two years ago when we lost Hill, um, it was like, we lost our we lost our veteran all star player. How are we ever going to function? And 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 then last year we see how well they did without him. And now it's like the pendulum has swung the other way, where it's like, well, we don't need any veterans. We just can have all these guys, and Mahomes can make it work. And I think you're right. I think that there needs to be a a middle ground there where you do have the veteran guy, Lud Hopkins, who's in there leading guys. And I think Veach will see that. Um, but it's also you, you also don't need to pay a guy all the money in the world where you can get it done with Mahomes and and really good players. So, yeah, but but I'm with you. I'm with you and I think um there's never a drought of good receivers out there. So, if we go through the season and that ends up being uh the missing link, I think that's an easy, you know, quick fix for Veach. Yeah. All right, next question is from Zach. Uh, quote Trade Jones cult leader. Um wonder where he stands on things. Uh, his question is, what do you imagine the post-game pep talk was like between Reed and the wide receiver room? You've been in those locker rooms. Somebody has a poor game. Yeah. Coach, say anything to him? It's not going to It's not gonna be negative. It's uh, You know, yeah. he, he is really an encouraging guy. And, uh, you know, I remember when we, every away game, we fly home and he would go, you know, we'd be in there and he would go, you probably know this, BJ, he would yeah. get up out of the walk, yep. walk all the way through the plane and just check in with every guy. Uh, are you doing? You feeling okay? Hey, we're gonna bounce back, or hey, good winner. I mean, he's he's not, and he realizes it, especially nowadays with with the way guys are now. You just if you're just gonna negative be negative and jump on them, they're just gonna, most of these guys are gonna fold right up. You know, it isn't like it used to be, um, and so he knows that. And he but he's always brought that positive mentality. So I'm sure he's telling Tony and those guys exactly what we've been saying. Like we're gonna continue to go to you. You're gonna be big for us down the line. You guys, we're going to get this right, and you guys are going to be winning games for us. Um, and so I don't see, you know, he's just not, he's not the negative type. That's what I love about the culture of what he's built. Like, guys, they don't they don't need to be told. Right. Like, Kadarius Tony didn't need to be told that he didn't play very well. Or even if even if it's not as obvious as that, if a guy goes out there, you playing defensive tackle, you go out there and don't play well, nobody needs to tell you after the game, like, they didn't right. play well. You're doing enough of that yourself. So right. I come over, patting you on the back, I was the same way. Like, I didn't need anybody to tell me anything. Even with like Casey, yeah, there's a question about Casey. So we'll like nobody needs to tell me anything when we're doing it wrong. Like trust me, right. I'm very aware of what right. we need to do to get better. There's a lot of things that we need to do uh, to get better, and it's on me. But um, but I don't it, remember anything positive from my career. I only remember the negative stuff. Yeah, that's it. Burn it. I w- I wake up um, every day, and there's I, I guarantee you there isn't a day that's going by that I haven't thought of some bad play that I hadn't played. Yeah. I can tell you right now the four worst pitches I've ever thrown in my life in big situations and what happened to it. 
I could tell you all the good things. I can't um, tell you any of the good things. But the things I miss are the bus ride. Like everything off the f- on the field, only thing I remember are negative, and the only po- really positive things I remember were off the field stuff. Right. Is the traveling, exactly. the hanging out, the bus trips, the road trips, and all that stuff. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to the next question. This is from Isaac Hugh. What did you think of Mike Dana on Thursday? I mean, the stat line looked good. I'm I'm always I think that um, you have. I'm always careful to to evaluate. You, a lot of times, you don't know what the schemes are. You don't know where guys are supposed to be. Some things look good and bad. Some things look bad. And it's actually somebody else's fault. But I like Dana. I've always liked Dana. Yeah. Stat line looked good. I mean, I think he had six tackles in a sack. Um, and the defense as a whole played played well. I mean, I thought I thought they played really well, especially for the first game with new guys. And so they, as the I think one message that you're going to see Spags talking to his guys about, I could see him saying, this is like, listen, the offense is going to get this the right. Yeah. We have to be the consistent rock every week. Right. So Dana, all you guys, regardless of the Chris Jones situation, we have to play like we did last week, where it's just, you know, we're holding it down offense. You figure it out. We got you back. We're going to, we're going to get, we're going to make sure we're playing at the highest level every Sunday. Um, but I, I don't see anything to worry about with Dana or anybody on the defense. I know we had a chance when we were at the NFL scouting combine with Sean Barber, who had played for the Chiefs defensive line coach, Joe Colon, uh, when he was in college at Richmond. And Joe Colon was talking and could not have spoke more highly of any player that we asked him about than Mike Dana. And I've made the case, and not just about Dana, but you win Super Bowls because of guys like Mike Dana. You can't have, we were talking about contracts earlier. Not everybody can be an all-star on a second contract. Not that Mike Dana might not be an all-star at some point, but you need fifth round picks to be able to step up and make big plays for you. It can't only be your first round, your second round, and the big free agents or the big money guys that you sign. You need guys like Mike Dana. Made the same point for even a guy you didn't draft, but you gave a con, like Drew Tranquil. It's another guy I thought should have got more snaps. I'm curious to see how his usage kind of grows throughout the year, but a one-year, $4 million deal on an impactful defensive player, you need moves like that in order to win Super Bowls. It's not as simple as just having the best tight end to ever play, the best quarterback to ever play, and one of the best defensive tackles in football right now. Everybody else has got to step up and make plays, and Mike Dana, um, I'll never forget how positive the Joe Cullen was and how much he lit up when we were talking back in February Mm -hmm. about Mike Dana, so great to see him step up and make plays. All right, next Question from Mike Denny, mentioning that game we talked about. Um, he said, Mike, I know back in 2014, you started the year off with Andy Reid and the loss against the Titans. How, in your experience, does Andy bounce back? Did you guys make any big changes or did you just kind of move on? Like, what's that post-game locker room message from Coach Reid after a game like that? Yeah, it's very much, we're going to regroup and we're going to move on. It is, it is quick, to the point. He's not going to labor anything. Like we said before, he's not dog cussing anybody or anything like that. To the point, we're going to get it fixed and we're going to move on. And, you know, the most fired up I've seen Andy Reid was actually in the 2015 season when we started one and five. And then we had a team meeting. And he could tell that the, you know, one in five year of a 0% chance of making the playoffs hadn't been done before us, before us that year. And, um, in order to get things really back on track, he was fired up in that meeting. That was the most fired up I had seen him in my time there. Is that like the Bears? Was it not the Bears? The Bears is where Jamal got hurt, and then Shark Hendrick and, and Spencer jumped in. It was in Minnesota. We yeah, played at the University Minnesota. of that was a frustrating law. I remember that, that one because we played at the University of Minnesota. We played at the yeah. college field. Yeah, no, exactly. No, it was it was tough. And uh, what he said was, "Look, we're gonna here's what we're gonna do. I don't want you looking down." the line at, you know, the playoffs or who we're playing in two weeks or one week. I don't even care who we're playing this Sunday. He said, I just want you to win at whatever's next on the schedule. Stop thinking so much. And just if you have lunch, if you have lifting, if you have film study, if you have any, we're going to be better at that than the other team is. And just, let's just start putting these, let's start compounding wins. Right. And, uh, boy, you saw the the, the trajectory change. We go to we go to uh, London. We beat Detroit, and then we're on and popping. He's um, Pittsburgh. I remember all because you won like ten. I remember that because we was writing about it all the time. But yeah, yeah. I think the first win was against Pittsburgh because then he joked afterwards when Doug Peterson got the job that he was like, "Yeah, what happened? What what's caused this winning streak?" He's like, "Well, I let Doug call the plays." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that, yeah, good. <laughs> He's so good. Good job getting Doug getting Doug a job. But 
But but the beauty of Andy Reid is he's been through so many like there's nothing new under the sun for Andy Reid. He's been through so many situations and he knows what to say, when to say it, how to get things right. Yep. I'll never forget random stories. I don't know if I've ever told the story before. Uh one of the only times I ever felt like my job when I was working for the Chiefs, like I may have made some kind of difference uh at some level. Um, on the field because we just, I have no effect on it. I just write about what's happening. I'm a, I see it and I'm part of it and got to get kind of be that conduit between fans and players. But the Minnesota game, Everson Griffin was declared out um, as an inactive and he was not on the injury report all week. It was a shocker. Um, he had some stuff going on in the locker room. It was like a, and I go to that official. So rewind here, 90 minutes before the game, there's an officials meeting where it's like the PR directors for both teams officially hand in the inactives for both teams to the referees. And it was the one like piece of breaking news I got to be at. And so I was always got to be in that meeting where some of the national NFL network guys and the ESPN national people would kind of stand off to the side and get it after they couldn't be in that meeting. Like I was standing right there. And when Everson Griffin was declared inactive, I remember looking at like Brad and Ted and just being like, wait a second. Like he, that's their, that's their dude. He was not on the injury report all week. This is a shock. Like this is something different here. And I remember walking from that meeting out to the field to tweet out and I go on the radio and, and talk it. And I saw Doug Peterson, the guys were getting ready on the field. And like I walked onto the field and I'm like waving my arms at Doug Peterson. And I'm like, Doug, come over here. He's looking at me like, what the hell is BJ? Walk? Like, what are you doing? Like we're in game day. Never yeah. done anything like that before. I was like, Doug, 90, I was like, 97 is out. He ran over. He's like, what are you talking about? I go, they just declared 97 out of the game. He like ran back to the locker. It ended up not mattering because they still ended up losing the game, but. I'll never forget that game in Minnesota. That's season. funny. That's yelling, weird. And yelling at Doug across the field. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. Before we move on here, we got a quick read from our friends over at DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New, cu- new customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. And your call, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 age or older varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.com. Slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire after seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. BJ, I, my PhD is in philosophy, and I don't think I've read anything that hard. <laughs> Every time I do it, I'm like, I... Then I listen on the radio, I'm like, they're so good at it. And I think it's read normal and then speed it up, which we probably could do, but... I think everybody should just get to hear me butcher my way through it. No, I was great. Well done. All right, let's get back to the questions. Get back to what the people want to know. Um, Corey Peter, BJ, can you describe your feelings leaving Arrowhead Thursday night using only the F word? Um, family and fun. Um, I can there you I know. Know that's not the words you're looking for, but I had a chance to go to the game uh, with my my whole family, my wife, uh, my son, my daughter. We'd gone to games before. They were so young. I don't think they're going to remember. My daughter didn't remember going to the game before. It was during COVID. It was a couple of years ago. Um, and then we're going to go to a handful of games this year. So uh, we had great seats. The kids absolutely loved it. We left at the end of the third quarter. So we did not see the end. We watched the end on my phone. I was just with my daughter to bed super late on a school night. Um, but yeah, the team was sloppy. But you know, at this point, I'm not going to let my emotions necessarily be carried uh, on a performance like that when there were so many more cool things I was doing with my family. So yeah. I'm not the answer a lot of people want, but like, I absolutely loved it. I got one of my favorite photos I've ever taken of our family. Uh, after one of the touchdowns, the kids were just like pure joy. It was just awesome to watch. So not what anybody wanted to hear, but it's also week one and I just don't, they'll be fine. You've been through seen this, this seen this been, before. Been through this. <laughs> yeah. We, at this point, everybody's been through this. So it's like, I don't, everybody kind of understands or should understand. It will be fine. 
they'll come you back start- as long as they're not too injured, too many things going on. Kelsey, you have Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, they'll be fine. You see, so you've been through a number of NFL seasons because you know if you start week one with a string of f bombs, by week ten you'll be killing somebody. So, <laughs> so that's you know. That's can't like first game, first drive, like a bad third down call that he doesn't like. Pretty, I'm glad I wasn't sitting next to Kent on like the third down where Blake Bell handed it to Rishi Rice or whatever because I know he just lost it. I know it. it'll be okay, buddy. It'll be just fine. All right, let's go here. Thanik, do the Chiefs win on Thursday if Charles Amenahu was on the field? I don't know. Uh, I don't think it'd be so. better, but the defense was fine. Like I, yeah. yes, they should get some more pressure. Spags has to dial it up, all of that. But like, I don't see that as an excuse of, well, if the front four can't get pressure and you have to blitz, you can't live by that. Sure, but they're going to get a minute who back. They're going to get Chris back at some point. I was in number one defenses that lives by that. It was it was me and a bunch of guys like me. There was no pressure from the front four. <laughs> we blitzed. <laughs> you can get it done. You can get it. It's possible. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, all right, Christian. Christian Gumbacher asks, hey, BJ, when you started KCSN, did you expect to become Thanos? Yeah. No. Uh, you were always no, I did, no, I did, no, you I did were not. always Thanos. No, it's talking about like the getting the final Infinity Stone and the only weird games, uh, formerly known as Times R, is that podcast joining us. Uh, it's a beautiful thing that we've created this this thing that allows people that are really passionate about something, give them a platform to come and talk about it in a fun, engaging way that's you know utilizing media platforms that are growing in today's you know, kind of media market uh, with podcasting, with YouTube, with social media, really just leaning into creating the best content we can put together on the platforms that people are using more and more and that we'll use more five years from now than they are right now. Nobody knows what media is going to look like in five years. Nobody knows on the national level, the regional level, the local level, it's all changing. And this was just kind of our idea of, hey, if things are changing and we're good at this content thing, we there's a lot of us have been doing this a long time. Let's just lean in and try to create something new and different. Right. Uh, that hasn't meant that it hasn't been a lot of mistakes and a lot of things that kind of like to your point, you know, defensive tackle, you make a lot of mistakes. A lot of people might not notice or kind of mm-hmm. understand everything. Made a lot of mistakes uh, that we've learned from. We try to get better from, but um, I'm lucky in that the people that have decided to do this with us are very, very good at what they do, and we all trust each other uh, to be good at what we do. There's no micromanaging. There's too many things going on. Awesome job, I mean, you're you're an awesome human being, so everybody wants to be involved in what you're doing. And um, what I love about the model, specifically what you're doing, is you hit on it. Media changes constantly, and sometimes some of these other companies will get stuck into one sort of framework and they don't want to go outside of that with the way you've built it you're so malleable that you can pivot if trends change you know what i mean and that, so that's a winning that's a winning formula when you have an operation that allows you to adjust to what is going on you'll be yeah. crushing it all. i'd say it's a whole lot easier now that uh we have numbers and we can back up all the things that we're doing whereas at the start like everything we started was from scratch and so you're pitching sponsors and you don't have like the CPM and these models to back everything up. It's just, you got this face. You got this face. <laughs> I got, we got I got DeVito. That. That's what did it. That's what yeah. did it. Um, Put DeVito on a podcast. Take him off the video. We don't want to look at that face. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy ride. It's like I said, it's a lot easier. The decisions get bigger and you, you just learn as you go. And we've made, like I said, we've made a lot of mistakes and we've done things that I wish we could go back and change, but I can't. All I can do is try to, be good to people and try to do the right things. And, and you got that down. You got that down, Pat. Thank you. I, it's not from the lack of not trying. I say that much <laughs> about myself. Um, all right, let's go to Sean H in Iowa. Uh, should the chiefs trade for Mike Evans, given the rebuild nature of Tampa? If so, what compensation? Oh man. Hey, that's a good, he'd be good. He would be good in the system. That's a veteran guy. Um, what compensation? I think, you know, to your point, BJ, I think you let this play out a little bit longer. You know, these are hard because you got to get on these kind of trade things. But, yeah, you know, you know, if if this ends up working out where you bring Kels back in, the, the guys that are there calm down um, and things, the timing gets right, you might not need – I think it's still yet to be seen if you actually have to make that move. 
I think you're yeah. right. I think you probably do. But if you can wait on it, wait on it so you don't, you know, you don't need to use that conversation for a guy, get compensation for a guy that you don't actually need that much. But I think he's a great, he'd be a great guy to have in the system. I'm not familiar with what, where he's at contract wise and how, yeah, how that would fit. He's, I know he's in the, I don't know the number, but I know he's in the last year of his deal and that uh, it was reported. And I think I even thought earlier today that if he, didn't get a new contract extension from the Bucks before week one that he'd just play out this deal and then he'd be a free agent next year, which I think both Oh, sides. that's what's going to happen. They're not yeah. going to trade him. Okay. Right. Oh. So I think it's oh. like Tampa's not going to be good. He's already going to test free agency. It probably is not going to make sense for them at this point because he is a veteran receiver. He's been one of the more consistent. He's in the very interesting Hall of Fame discussions because the totality of his career warrants it when you look at how consistently good he's been. Yeah. But never been like above the fifth best wide receiver. That's probably not fair. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's an interesting conversation, very similar to like a Frank Gore, where it's just a guy who's been very, very good for so long that what do you do with him? Well, if Tampa Bay is not going to extend him, I'm not great with the the compensation either, but it's not going to take a third round pick. You're not giving up a third round pick for a rental for a guy for one year at his age and his contract. And for the Bucks, it's, you got it a bonus fifth round pick that you were going to lose anyway. If you don't think he's going to sign some huge deal next next off season, it's going to affect your compensatory pick formula because they wouldn't want to. No point to trade him for a seventh if you keep him and then he signs somewhere else and you get a comp pick for him. It's higher. Right. Uh, but anyway, I I w- I've been in the bandwagon of they need a veteran playmaking receiver. Doesn't mean he's gotten a thousand yards, but you trade for Mike Evans or a guy like that on a bad team who's on the last year of his deal. Um, that they don't want to keep or resign. That's kind of that sweet spot. How many of those guys out there are in the league? Mike Evans has been a popular one. It might take him five or six weeks to get used to the offense. I would want him for the playoff put like the last five games of the regular season, the playoffs. Calm the young guys down. Exactly. Yeah. Just to have a guy that Mahomes can just throw the ball to that has made big time plays at this level who's not costing you a ton of money right. or a ton of resources and a draft pick. And you're saying you're saying a fifth round pick would be where you would what you would get that's like the ceiling of what i would offer because yeah. i don't think you would take more than that for a player at his age with his contract for just one year knowing that he's a free agent after this year anyway oh that's so, interesting that's- i just i don't know the market well enough to know what mike evans would get next year as just a bona fide free agent going out and what kind of comp pick could the bucks get back for him if they just keep him this year and let him go right after that. all right joel penfield what are you trading in 2025 to get Travis Hunter. I've Mike, I've had these conversations about getting a high draft pick to pair with Patrick Mahomes, but it was never about Travis Hunter. It was if you could trade Chris Jones to the Chicago Bears and the Bears struggle this season, it means you end up with Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State, best wide receiver prospect in a while, who ran off again yesterday. Would you do that? And that's where it starts to get excited. Like, I want Chris. I want them to pay Chris. I want him to be there. That's not going to happen. And then I'm watching highlights of Marvin Harrison. It's like, you know what? I would absolutely put that dude with Patrick Mahomes in his career. Travis Hunter is going to be the same way. There's not a lot I wouldn't do to get a young, bona fide stud wide receiver on a deal with Patrick Mahomes through his prime. What? Where is he? Where would he be? He's more of a receiver than a corner, right? Yeah, I think so. He's the number one prospect coming out i mean he's he's going to be an absolute stud yeah a very very long time yeah that's interesting and i you know i never thought of it in light of the of the chris jones situation but yeah i mean you know if, if he's if he's gonna if he's gonna be that good and yeah. you get a young guy in right away where his whole career now he's with mahomes <laughs> it's I, gonna make other teams so frustrated i don't want to trade chris but i'm not going to say that the excitement of like getting a bears first round pick knowing like if they struggle and they're bad you get all of a sudden you get like a top three pick like i would like rooting against the bears every single week just to see how high of a it's just i hope they struggle uh even though i love ryan poles phenomenal uh, yeah. dude. i hope he has a lot of success yeah uh, but if that trade happens i will be rooting for every other team just so the Chiefs get Marvin. Get a high pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, ooh, this is a good one. This is from Lindsey Lou. I want your thoughts on Juwan Taylor. There's a lot been made about the the highlights of him jumping off sides at right tackle. I don't know if you've caught a lot of those. Yeah. Um, where it's kind of timing the snap. And Duke Manyweather put stuff out that showed like it's happening at the same time. 
there've been a lot of back and forth where people are kind of split down the middle, to be honest. A lot of the the people I'm saying, I see defending it are former players because like he's not jumping. This is what it is. And the people that are like, this is blatant offsides. I don't know why they're calling it are more the media types. At least what I've seen. I'm sure there's in the middle, but it kind of looks like that split. When you saw it live or when you've watched it, how do you feel? Like, what do you see happening? Do you think it's offsides? Do you think he's jumping? Is it just perfectly timed? You know, Duke is going to know that. I mean, if Duke is saying that it's not, that it's not the case, he he's going to know better than anybody that that. I mean, when you look at things in super slow motion, yeah, everything is obvious. It's obvious that this is the case that he's jumping off sides. Um, but you know, it didn't seem like that to me in real time that it was that flagrant of a thing that you gotta you know you gotta throw the flag. Um, I think it's just I think it's just smart right tackle play. I mean, the quicker you can get off that football, it's it's clear he was timed up perfect with the snap, and that's a huge advantage. And uh, yeah, so I, I think there people are making uh, too too big of a deal out of it. I th- I I think it was again. I agree with Duke, and and I'm a defensive yeah. lineman. You know what I mean? I, I'm never rooting for the offensive line guys, but uh, but no, I didn't seem to be to be a, that big of a deal. All right, we'll go through these last five or six here pretty quickly, Mike. Uh, it's from Derek in the Mountains. How much time do you suggest spending at the museum at Arrowhead? There's so much history um, with that organization and learning about uh, Lamar Hunt and what he did, not just for the Chiefs, but for the entire National Football League. That you know, I did that tour uh, with Mike Dav- Davidson, the Chiefs historian, uh, multiple times uh, during my time working there, and I don't think. I didn't not learn something new every single time I took it. I probably took it a dozen times. Yeah. I was there for three years and I didn't get everything that you could get out of that. So no, I agree as much time as you can. Uh, that's rich football history. And, uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fun spot. And honorary tradition is one of the pillars of that organization and they're going to do it right. And they're going to honor those guys in a really impactful, creative way, especially with all the new upgrades and different things that they're, Mm. um, I would absolutely go and spend time and see all that stuff because you know there's a lot of intentionality and a lot of thought and care put into the different things that they put out and honoring the tradition that you have all right uh this one's from slink casey uh question for mike as a player how much are you picking up Kadarius tony after that game do you give him space or do you talk to him and i want to preface this a little bit because it's unique because he's not in your position group and he's not on your side of the ball where a lot of times i think in like high school you're with your buddies they're all playing both ways you see him right nfl like Defensive linemen and wide receivers aren't really hanging out all the time. No, just, not at all. You might not even know all of those guys besides that guy looks familiar. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's assume we're in the same position. I'm definitely giving him a hug and lifting him up. I mean, that I I can't think of anybody throughout my career that had a bad game or was even having a bad year, and I was going to be critical towards that person. It just was wasn't a thing. You're always lifting them up. It's better for you. It's better for the team. And ultimately for that, that person who's going through it, because we, as players, even the best of us go through bad periods and have bad games. And so it's important to, to lift each other up. And that's the family atmosphere that the Chiefs have. I mean, you know, that's what's going on in that locker room. Absolutely. All right. This one's from Julian K. What do you think went wrong with the wide receivers and Mahomes being out of sync? Last minute changes to game plan due to Kelsey's injury. Yeah, that's it. And, and we, we kind of talked through that. Yeah. I think it's that and the, the stuff that, I saw it again that Nate put out and I saw a couple times live and I know people have kind of discussed, it's not a unique thought. Um, people have been talking about it on Twitter uh, or X um, about the guys running into each other. That's stuff that I don't, we're not going to get the answer. Andy Reid's not going to come out and say, this is what was going on and this yeah. is why it didn't work. Yeah. But I trust that whatever it was, they will fix that part of it and we will not see that same kind of issue um, next week. But I'm more concerned about the guys running into each other than I am about the balls falling off of Kadarius Tony's hands. I don't yeah. think that's going to be a consistent thing where he has the yips for the rest of his career. Again, we're worried about guys, multiple guys going in the wrong places and running the wrong routes. And they, But the beauty about that is they can get that right. Again, it's not a talent thing. It's not a lack of talent thing. It's a playbook thing, and they can get that fixed. All right. Uh, more questions uh, about Kadarius. A lot of questions about Kadarius Tony. So yeah. I'm sorry if I didn't ask you a specific one. Um, but we'll go a couple more here. And we kind of talked about this before, Mike, when you watch the game besides Dana, cause we talked about him, unless you want to love on Mike Dana again, who on the defensive line. And this is from Lee 87, uh, who on the defensive line impressed Mike in game one. My, my, my brother from Texas, I thought looked good. Um, you know, 
big boy. Yeah, he's he didn't, a big he didn't get a ton of snaps either. But yeah, but when I he was in there, he plays. yeah, he made some. Come at Keandre Coburn. Yeah, yeah, Coburn. That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I again, it, there wasn't. I didn't think there was any performances that I was like, wow, you know, here's Justin Houston with five sacks in the game or something like that. I mean, there wasn't anything like that, but it was just, you know, things that yeah. could be tightened up. But it was fast, most part, clean football across the board as a defense. So nothing that you're going to write home about and say, oh man, this player had such an incredible game. Yeah. But as a team, they came out and did what they needed to do. Yeah, they, I thought the defense played awesome. There's only one play I remember, and there were some plays that could have been made and some tackles that got missed, but the only play that really frustrated me watching and then I watched the replay, it still annoyed me, was Jameer Gibbs. I don't know if it was a third down, but it was like a 17-yard run, and he had broken like three or four different tackles. Legereus Sneed tried to tackle him and missed. Justin Reed had tried to tackle him and missed, and it was just kind of a sloppy looking play at a yeah. big moment that I felt like that was one of those key plays. Just one of like four dudes had a chance to make the tackle and none of them, none of them got it done. And you so know, part I, of it's credit in the player. Part of it's, those are the kind of plays. Those are the margins of error we talk about. Uh, you got to make those. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I guess ha- if this had been 10 years ago, I, I would be like, yeah, we got to worry about that. Nowadays, it's like you could run the football. You know, there's been very few times in the Mahomes era that I've been like, we really got to shore up our run defense because you just, you know, normally your offense is going to put up 50 points a game. So it's like, uh, I, they'll get it right. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'd rather that be the worry. If the, if the team had gone out there and just started hucking the ball downfield and all these receivers were open and it was just easy down the, down the field, throwing the football, cutting guys up, that would make me much more worried than some runs by some. Backs, you're not going to beat the Chiefs going in there running the football. It just ain't happening. Yeah. And last question here, uh, I believe it's from Lee 87 or got cut off. Um, it was today at 1255. Uh, EJ, do you ever have regrets leaving the Chiefs organization and creating KCSN? That's um, a good question. That's there's good. definitely times that I've missed it. Um, it's been three years now, so it's it's been quite removed. And, and KCSN was not on the radar when I left the Chiefs or anything. Uh, like it was still podcasting with Nick and we still had outside the trenches. Uh, I was in the trenches and then became outside the trenches. Um, but, you know, I still, you know, I started blogging, you know, about the team. I had covered the team for five or six years as a blogger uh, before I got that job. And so, you know, there's definitely parts of it that I miss. There's some phenomenal people there. I love working for that organization. Um, but, you know, priorities change as you get older, you have kids and, and things kind of change. And um, I'll never regret you know, the reasons why I made the decision. Um, there's things about it that could have been better um, on my end, but there's definitely um, a sense of I'm in the right place now, doing the right things, and time's always more important to me than money or anything, uh, and spending more time around my kids, picking them up from school every day, like those things meant more to me than anything else. And I got a chance to work with phenomenal people, got a chance to still do the things that I love doing, covering the team. Uh, I don't get as cool of a view anymore and get the the access and just being around being a part of that team i mean that part of teams my whole life so that part of it kind of missed for a while until we got kcsn to a point where like now i feel like i'm a part of a team and i hope everybody that that works with us we try to have that culture as best we can with oh you guys 52 contractors you guys that, nailed that it's a that all have full-time jobs and so yeah. the motivations and and you know creating this this thing that allows people again whether it's the chiefs or the royals or the soccer our soccer coverage is phenomenal. Um, right. Chris, Jimmy, and Dan do a phenomenal job covering Kansas City soccer. It is their passion, and I love having something and creating this thing that allows them this outlet for them to be able to go and talk about it. And that means more to me uh, than anything at this point in my career. I've been covering this team since before Andy Reid got to Kansas City yeah. uh, for a long time, and not as long as some, uh, but it's it's been a really, really, really cool ride. And I think the coolest part, Mike, um, get off my soapbox here, the coolest part for me, and I think a lot of us, even like Seth Kaiser and guys that in Craig Stout and guys that we were all starting to create content together back in like 2008, uh, we were writing for Arrowhead Pride, we were blogging for him. And I think the coolest part is so many people within Chiefs Kingdom have been following since I, before I got married. I mean, I was dating my now wife at the time and we were blogging and you're just kind of sharing. It was before social media. So you just kind of mm-hmm. share and you'd get to know people and then we'd have kids and we'd share that online and we share that on the blogs and talk with our friends about it. Right. So people have watched me kind of grow up into this space 
and they've known me for a long time and known a lot of those things. I think that's the part that I think is most special about this Chiefs content space and what we've done is so many people have been around for so long that uh, kind of watched it grow. Well, and I think you to have that so that when you did leave Kansas, when you did leave the Chiefs officially to have this set up, this passion ready to go, I think that was one of the things that was the biggest thing for my in my career was getting done and not having that passion something to get into um but you know what pj i'm i'm so glad that you're at a place like you said where you have peace with where you're at with where you're to be with your family to be home and uh above and beyond that not as important but above and beyond that is kansas city is better having you doing this like we the 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 the, the chiefs um sporting all the things that you guys do Having KCSN as a media market in Kansas City um, is great for Chiefs Kingdom, uh, and so we're lucky to have you, brother. Thank you. I could I could talk about how lucky I feel for all this stuff till for a very very long time, but um, it's nothing but just positive vibes and and feeling good about what we've done, knowing that we still have a lot of things that we can do to get better, a lot of ways to go. But you know, none of this works if people hadn't supported what we've done. Um, mm. And now the totality of what we've done, we've created something that's that's cool and special and still very small and growing but growing um but it's it's been a special ride thus far and we appreciate everybody for listening i appreciate everybody who's been supporting us or following in some form or fashion um there's a lot of great places to get chiefs content we don't have to overtake everything and i'd still if you like you know other shows you like ryan tracy and locked on go listen to ryan ryan's awesome Uh, there's a lot of different places to get great chiefs content we just want to be one of those so appreciate everybody for supporting appreciate guys like yourselves and the relationship mike that we've created and um you know jeff and and all the guys that are a part of what we're doing that cross paths with and just stayed in touch with it's it's what means the most the other relationships and uh, those things well i'm grateful for you bj thanks for including me it means a lot absolutely you and i've had enough of those discussions and thank you if you're still listening us ramble at the end of this show but we're gonna let you go now uh we're gonna get back to watching some football we're recording this year uh sunday afternoon. sunday Yeah, it's posting Monday morning, but uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Chiefs Kingdom will have plenty of content. The Lab guys, the only weird game guys, they will be recording later today as you listen to this podcast. If you listen on Monday, if for some reason you're catching in on Tuesday, you should check the feed because you'll have a brand new episode of the KC Laboratory and a brand new episode of Only Weird Games. As Mike, we can finally get into a normal week of content and a normal schedule without a Thursday game. The routine. It's the the normal routine. We are so like lined up and got everything organized and now it can finally work the way that it's supposed to. So appreciate, appreciate all your support. We'll see you next time.